Um, good afternoon, everyone. This is Crazy Chemist 99. Today, we're going to talk about sunscreen, and I have a guest on today um, my sister, Hannah Warner. Um, her Instagram account is called Dipsop. And would you like to tell us a bit about your Instagram, Hannah? Hello, yeah. Um, so, Dipsop stands for did you put sunscreen on today um and it's a sort of visual informative platform um that reminds you of the importance of wearing daily sunscreen um demystifies some of the skincare ingredients um that we often see floating around um also it i do um reviews specifically on sunscreens but also on some other skincare products um and yeah it's a bit of fun but it's also an important reminder yeah she's also called the sunscreen queen because uh (laughs) she knows everything about sunscreen um okay so to start off with if you didn't know already there are two types of blockers in sunscreen so you have like the physical blockers and the chemical blockers so the chemical blockers absorb the sun's uv rays um and these could be something like aminobenzoic acid, oxybenzone. And I think oxybenzone is a little bit controversial because it's a little bit like dodgy for the environment, <laughs> I think. Um, I think it's in some sunscreens and I'm not sure. I think America are kind of funny about whether it's yeah. in a sunscreen. So oxybenzone is an in- sunscreen uh, UV filter sorry a uv filter used in sunscreen yeah um and it did receive some bad press after a study um was performed on how uh, it was potentially bleaching corals um and you know this is one study and i think we do have to be careful when we you know label something as bad before enough science is actually behind it um i I know that I think the state of Hawaii have banned um, this UV filter um, for the, for this reason, but I think yeah, it's very important to not just label it and go straight against it when uh, there's not a huge amount of science um, proving this. I think you know we shouldn't be um, not using. Uh, chemical sunscreens based on this um there is not enough proof that they're bad for the environment in my opinion yeah no i agree i feel like as a scientist you need more than one study to tell you something you need some like empirical measurement and if it's just saying like it suggests that it bleaches coral then i don't think that's a strong enough argument and i'm sure there's many other pollutants that damaged coral so you know i think it's a bigger problem yeah Um, yeah and it's quite easy right for a government to look like they're they're doing something about this bigger issue that the world faces um so i think anyway these small legislations that are you know passed etc it's not always solutions um and yeah i think i think the labeling of it like i say it's bad press but it's it's um yeah it's kind of made its way and um through the minds of quite a lot of people i i I feel when i see but i don't think 
the evidence is really there for us to be, you know, boxing up UV filters like oxybenzo and saying no. Um, yeah, I still think they're important, <laughs> and they are proven UV protective uh, protective filters for UV exposure. Yeah. So you have physical blockers as well that reflect UV rays from the sun. So like titanium dioxide and zinc oxide, and they're common ingredients in sunscreen. Um, and so we could talk about the different types of skin cancer that, I mean, I've done a bit of research and it's actually a lot more than I thought there was. Um, you have like, is it melanomy? Is that how you pronounce it? Melanoma. Melanoma. Um, basal cell carcinoma. If I'm yeah. pronouncing it right. And squamous cell carcinoma. And apparently basal cell carcinoma is the most common one in the UK. And I'm not really mm-hmm. sure why. Um, but yeah, I think it's there's a lot it's 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 stained like it's a lot more dangerous than you think. Um I don't think we don't really talk enough about <coughs> skin cancer, you know? It's not talked about yeah. enough. Um, I guess it's not, I mean, if we think about the UK specifically, I know, you know, there's different healthcare screening programs in other countries, but if, if I just focused on the UK, skin cancer screening or skin checks are not regular, um, appointments, you know, that we're encouraged to, to attend, um, I think, you know, when we compare it to other possible cancer screenings, like I know cervical cancer, for example, you know, we're, we're, we're instructed, right, by letters, emails, yeah. I know I am, to go and get my screening. Um, and I think with the thing with skin cancer is, you know, it's, it's because people have the perception that it's visible, like it's the one you can see, then therefore, you know, you should be aware of when to get yourself checked. I think there's a danger in that personally because some skin cancers are invisible um so that's just sort of my my take on it and i think it's important to not be too put off by the idea that you know what you see oh it might it might just be nothing like because i think it's about making people aware that they're not all visible even skin cancers right um so a skin check is very important. Can you, can I, you like book oh, sorry. it through the sorry? Can you book it through the NHS or? So, from my experience, to get a skin check, you you do need to call your GP first, um, who will ask you if there is something you you can see. So, usually, you know, a mole or let's say a red. Um, scaly patch possibly a bleeding patch on your skin they will ask you what you can see so already you know we're being told that a skin check should happen if something's visible so this is where you know I was going with my point earlier about that's the danger that I think we face when it comes to skin cancers is that they're not all visible but when you do book a skin check you are you do go through your GP first if the GP looks at something and, and is not a hundred percent sure that it's you know that it's absolutely fine then they will refer you to a dermatologist uh, potentially at a hospital so 
you were then put forward to go for another check, a more, you know, thorough check, let's say, uh, with a specialist, with a dermatologist who will use a dermoscope, which is like a big magnifying glass, to look at what you have uh, in, up in more detail and, and, you know, take it from there. Um, yeah, that's as far as I know. Um, yeah. That's quite a lot. I don't know. I didn't know that much. I'm learning something new. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's really important to be checking your skin and making sure that, I mean, it's same with like breast cancer, isn't it? You know, like if you find any, th- like any kind of symptom or sign, then you can't ignore exactly. it. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's a statistic that I found on younggov.co.uk. Um, and almost a quarter of Brits don't use sunscreen in the summer and 51% of Brits who are wearing sunscreen are unprotected against UV rays because their sunscreen has expired um, <laughs> and that's that's quite a scary figure really um, it is you know especially in the summer like you think you know you, you think that you'd wear it when it's like the hottest time of the year I mean that doesn't get really hot in the UK but sometimes it gets quite warm I mean yeah I mean over the last few years we've seen some really really hot summers yeah uh, definitely and I think I mean oh sorry sorry I was just gonna say like um when I worked at a nursery there was a lot of emphasis on like children wearing sunscreen because obviously like children and baby skin is very sensitive but not so much adult skin and I thought that that was quite an interesting point because it would be like 30 degrees heat and I felt like I was the only one at work wearing sunscreen outside like you know it, was, it wasn't as normalized as it should be um and I just wonder yes. like is that just from my experience or do you think that quite a lot of adults are quite complacent with wearing sunscreen I think we're definitely complacent I think on the whole let's think about how sunscreen is 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 spoken about you know across the uk it is a summer product to have it's always photographed on the beach it's always you know photographed outside in a on a boiling hot day in your bikinis and your swimming trunks um it's got that kind of discourse around it and i think the thought of using a sunscreen product not in the summer does not even cross a lot of people's mind. It's not that they don't want to, I just think there's just not an awareness of of doing so. Um, I think if you, you know, of course, if you want to keep your skin healthy and protected, then you should be wearing it every day. As we know, the UVA and UVB rays are both present uh uvb is specifically higher during the summer months which is why you know your skin will will show up um either burned or or blistered or something like that that's the uvb the burning rays however the uva rays they are consistently um high throughout the year right so 365 days a year you're getting these harmful uv rays um on your skin Um, they can actually even penetrate windows Um, so that's why you know even if you're driving a car or you're sitting in an office by a window um, just because you're inside that doesn't mean 
you know those those walls are protecting you or the, that glass is protecting you unfortunately yeah. so a minimum of SPF 30 is is should be applied uh, every day to your point about expiring sunscreens I think this is definitely one people have lots of questions about um, but again I think you know let's think about it in in what we know we always look at sunscreen like and that's the summer so you usually wouldn't use a whole product up for example i don't think people got to kind of take a sun cream product on holiday and necessarily use the whole product up so they probably come home pop it in the box you know ready for the next holiday yeah. that's sort of my assumption <laughs> and they're you know in general uh spf products have well should have a shelf life of up to three years but because um, sunscreen can degrade once it's exposed to like heat or um, direct sunlight, bacteria, uh, high moisture levels, um, it's actually becoming less protective once you wear it. So it's degrading. And like, if you think about, you know, if you're on the holiday one summer and, and you've got that on the beach and the sunscreen product laying out in the direct sunlight, then the likelihood of it degrading is 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 probably quite high and then you know pulling that out for the next holiday i'm you know i think it's about being cautious yeah whether or not that that sunscreen was actually going to be as effective <clears throat> yeah yeah it's interesting um well i did a bit of research on like what you know what the composition of sunscreen is and like how they're made i don't know if all sunscreens are made out of nanoparticles but um, from this article I read, they were, they're called like solid lipid nanoparticles. And I think you might find these in other cosmetic products um, because they like carry certain, like we call them lipophilic or hydrophobic like chemicals. The ones that don't really like mix in water, they mix in oils. So they're mm-hmm. really important. So um, solid lipid nanoparticles like carry, they're used as a carrier system in cosmetics and pharmaceutical drugs as well and um you'll find the solid solid lipid nanoparticles um in the lipid matrix i'm guessing like in the sunscreen like lotion and you'll have the uv blockers like combined into that matrix so like the solid lipid nanoparticles are kind of like acting as not the uv blocker itself but like it's you know encapsulating it I guess and then like helping it reflect the UV rays um I just thought that was really cool because I study a lot of nanoparticles in my degree and um it's just nice to actually like use it um and talk about it because normally you use it in like catalysis and like engineering and like semiconductors and all that stuff and no one wants to talk about that um so yeah no it was just I'm sure someone does (laughs) yeah I'm probably going to make a podcast just for that person that wants to know about semiconductors and I'll probably have to do loads of research because I can't remember it um but yeah no it's it's really interesting and um I your nanoparticles are just so like versatile they're really small obviously they're like nanometer kind of size and they're just yeah they're just really good um and apparently they can be used in sunscreens as well um and yeah so i have a few questions for you hannah um Mm -hmm. about sunscreen and 
The first question is, what is SPF? So SPF stands for sun protection factor. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this one, I think, you know, again, I remember coming sort of into, you know, when I was getting into like skincare and being, I always seeing SPF in like moisturizers or um, foundations or, you know, other products that weren't specifically sunscreen thinking, you know, oh great, like I'm protected if I wear this foundation. Um, That's a lot. At, at that level, like if I see SPF 30, then I'll think, oh, just by wearing that foundation, I'm <laughs> protected. And I think that's, that's, completely a normal train of thought yeah um I think until you know I actually got myself into a bit more um detailed research and like, trying to understand products in you know uh, further that I really came to learn some <laughs> some truths uh, about SPF <laughs> so SPF stands for sun protection factor. It measures the protection from sun's UVB rays. So specifically the burning rays. Um, so as I mentioned before, you've got UVA rays and UVB rays. SPF is only protecting you against UVB. Um, so in terms of uh, what UVB is responsible for, so what are you protected from? It's sunburn, skin reddening, blistering, um, and what UVB actually has quite a strong link to is melanoma and basal cell carcinoma skin cancers. So specifically those um, can be caused by like a cumulative amount of um, UVB unprotected exposure. Yeah. So how does, you know, it work, I guess? Because um, I think this is another thing I took, it took me a while to really understand was if I wear let's say I wear no no sunscreen at all so I have no SPF on my skin mm-hmm. and I normally burn after 10 minutes let's yeah. say if I wear SPF 50 a sunscreen with SPF 50 in it I have my 10 minutes times 50 so 500 minutes yeah that's like you know eight hours and 20 minutes let's say um that then, you know, let's say you've obviously got the SPF 30, it's the same. So it would be 10 minutes times 30. So that would 300 minutes, five hours. Um, so that's how the SPF number relates to you and your burning levels and your protection levels, yeah. which I think is, is quite a misconception. I always thought like before I used to think, you know, you could stay in the sun for 50 minutes or something or like, it was that number was always a little bit yeah ambiguous unknown (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so spf in let's say like you 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 do have a moisturizer that has spf in it um it is by fact unlikely to offer the same level level of protection as a sunscreen product like a standalone sunscreen product um because of the fact that you are actually less likely to apply the amount of that moisturizer to gain the protection that's stated yeah um if you think about like a moisturizer right it's it's kind of doing it's, it's you know providing your skin like the elasticity it's got all the ingredients for hydration 
trying to smooth out you know your complexion etc i think the the idea of kind of relying on that product to also provide you the protection you need isn't like isn't always i think the best way of thinking about it i think the standalone sunscreen product that's always my recommendation is to have your moisturizer have your foundation it's fine if it contains spf but don't rely on that though solely to provide you the spf yeah does that make sense yeah definitely that's really good advice (laughs) um so the next question is how often would you reapply sunscreen i guess this would depend on the spf as well so in terms of reapplication i would say let's um okay so i don't think there's always a kind of a golden rule to Mm -hmm. this and yes i think you're right it does depend on um your your own skin so how it reacts you know in the sun uh the spf levels you're wearing in let's take a sunny day so let's take you know May, June, July, August, September day. Yeah. My recommendation is that you reapply your sunscreen every two hours. Yeah. Um, Now, based on what I said, you know, with like your SPF number, um, what's also important to know if you, let's say, for example, you've applied your SPF 30, um, and you usually burn after 10 minutes, so you've got that 30 times 10 protection from UVB rays. If you then reapply after two hours, it doesn't reset that 30 times 10, that, that 300 minutes. It, it's not like a full reset because your skin has already been exposed for that first, you know, after that first application. Yeah. Um, it doesn't reset, but it will top up that protection level. What is then advised and what um, like dermatologists and um, the Skin Cancer Council actually advise is once you have reapplied your sunscreen, if you need to be outside, like if you need to stay outside on these really hot days, yeah. um, then okay, you've reapplied, you are going to get a top up of protection, but it's recommended that you, you do seek shade after that two hours does that make sense otherwise it it kind of doesn't always work to reapply you're not actually gaining that level of protection that you need yeah yeah that's so true um i think we already discussed like the symptoms of skin cancer earlier on but did you know any other signs or symptoms that you can have um physical signs i guess Sign uh, of all of the skin cancers. Yeah, like I didn't, I don't really know, like what the differences are between them. Um, yeah. Um, so melanoma skin cancer or skin cancers, uh, they arise from the cells uh, in your body that produce uh, melanin, which is the uh, brown pigment in your skin. Mm-hmm. They. The first signs um, of melanoma developing uh, usually around like, the existing moles that you have on your body, changing any changing color, um, darkening, like having little black spots in them, lightening dramatically, having like a, a thick outline, let's say, um, reddening, 
Um, and I think, you know, all these like, it's hard to kind of remember all of these things. And there is a really useful um, like guide on the Skin Cancer Council website, which is a really, really good resource, by the way, um, that kind of describes all of these changes in, a, in an existing mold by like an ABCDE um, acronym. And it kind of gives you all of the different things you should be looking out for, let's say. Like you should be regularly checking things that exi- already exist on your skin to see if there's been any changes. Mm-hmm. Um, also new moles. I mean, I say existing, but you know, if you've got new moles appearing um, of any size and color, like it's important to be aware of them as much as you're aware of your existing ones. Um, so again, just kind of scanning your own body i i always think is a is a good idea the same way you would like check check your breasts right like you, you yeah that's kind of just a a notion that's placed in you and you, you regularly do and yeah i think it should be the same for your for your skin um basal um basal cell carcinoma so this is like you i think you did already, already say this it's the most common type of skin cancer in the UK yeah um in lighter skin tones basal cell carcinomas usually form on areas that are frequently exposed to the sun so face head ears uh, neck chest um in darker skin tones uh, and people of color basal cell carcinomas have been found actually to occur on parts of the body that are usually protected from the sun um so feet uh groin area um scrotum area so again we're we're seeing lots of variations changes of variations exactly um they vary so basal cell carcinoma does really vary in appearance which is why it's so important that if you do have a concern to go and see a specialist um, because in terms of appearance it literally can like range from lumps on the skin um, bleeding like bleeding scabs let's say or like in the scalp I know I've seen like quite a lot of photos of that where it's been like like a scab bleeding from the inside the hair yeah uh, you can have like just flat red marks on the skin um, you can have like scaly marks on the skin you can have ulcers on the skin if anything's like really itchy all of a sudden like a spot on your uh, sorry you know a space on your skin is really really itchy or it's um, bleeding things like that um, but again I really do recommend the Skin Cancer Council um, and the British Association of Dermatologists for resources on um, understanding all of these signs um, and you know they'll, they'll definitely pinpoint you when it's right to go and see someone yeah. um, and I think peace of mind right like definitely everyone wants that yeah that reassurance um, and we've discussed already the, t- the two types of UV rays so the difference between them so you said the UVB is the burning ray and then the UVA is that the one that ages your skin yes <laughs> so the UVA ray has usually got the uh quite easy to remember them right uva aging and uvb burning yeah um the uva rays it's a good question so what do they do in comparison to uvb um uva is associated with um yes like aging in the skin and like when we say aging i mean that, that can mean anything right but like usually 
uh, fine lines, wrinkles, um, hyperpigmentation, like, uh, you know, discoloration in your skin, uh, like a loss of like elastin in your skin, mm-hmm. um, which obviously, you know, has been associated with a with, uh, lack of like hydration, which is then why it's labeled aging skin. Um, so, as I mentioned, SPF doesn't protect you against UVA rays. Um, and when I say SPF, that's that's a label on the sunscreen bottle. So, whilst you know, re- very important to to look for SPF on a sunscreen bottle and make sure you've got a minimum of thirty. Yeah. Um, you also need to look for um, UVA, which a protection, like a label that specifically calls out the UVA protection of that sunscreen and um so you don't need an extra sunscreen it's like it's yeah it's it's in this it should be in the same sunscreen but they've got different labeling um one of them is like a UVA the word like the the acronym UVA in a circle Mm -hmm. another one is PA and then a star system next to the to the letters PA yeah and another label is broad spectrum. Yeah, so that's what I'm one. Yeah, I've seen is that, that one before. you're familiar with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think those are all my questions I have for you. Um, I was just gonna say one thing actually at the end. Do you remember when we were kids? We used to have those like pink and blue like roll-on sunscreens. Oh yeah. Do you remember those? I don't know. The boots. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea what they're called, but I just remember them when we were kids. I used to they put them were on like my face. Under eye. Yes, I do remember <laughs> those. I do remember those. Um, those specifically on like your nose and your under eye area. Yeah, right? we had like pink ones and like blue ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I, I just, remember. just remember that when we were younger. I wonder if they still have them. Um, but if you do have any questions, then please follow me on crazychemist.99 with that's two Y's in crazy and you can also follow dipsot so d-y-p-s-o-t for some more um well reviews on sunscreens and also skincare advice as well that's just generally um she's the best for this by the way guys (laughs) Um, thank you frankie i feel like this podcast is just we should do that one sometime yeah it's getting so interesting you're covering like a wide range of of topics i'm i'm loving it i love that you started it for revision and now it's (laughs) i know i know everyone wants to listen to me just chatting (laughs) yeah i just want to do a little shout out to the people that are listening in like germany usa and slovenia because apparently it's not just the uk but they're listening to my podcast that's amazing i don't know how you found out about me but thank you keep listening um and yeah Thank you so much, guys. And if you do have any further questions, then obviously hit us up on Instagram. Um, my account is private, but that's just like for work reasons. So don't worry, I won't. I won't not accept you. I'll definitely accept you if you know you don't seem dodgy. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, thank you, everyone, and we'll, I'll see you probably next month. I might do one like earlier than a month because I sort of feel like a month in between each one but I'm trying to what's the next done. topic I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued it might be on space science um, oh. that one I have to do like a lot of research on because it's like physics and it's not my forte I have to say but um, if any physicist wants to come on this show please do because <laughs> I don't have to speak then 
Um, but yeah, thank you and goodbye. Bye. <laughs>